engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. I'm finally home. My goodness gracious. It was a whirlwind trip to Washington. Glad to be back. Uh, we got to move on. Speaking, by the way, spe- speaking of Kennesaw and whatnot, uh, the Confucius Institute, wasn't going to talk about this, but I just got a text from a buddy of mine reminding me about the story. Um, so there are Confucius Institutes in the state of Georgia. I just did a very quick Google search. Looks like Georgia State has one. Emory has one. Augusta has one, Kennesaw State has one, Savannah State has one, um, Wesleyan College has one, uh, several others have them. It looks like it, there are some in public schools as well. Uh, the U.S. Senate, it's a bipartisan report, has released a, a really, really um, bad report on Confucius Institutes, essentially saying they either need to be reformed or shut down in U.S. schools, if you have a if you have a son or daughter who's a student uh, participating in a Confucius Institute program, you need to be aware that the Committee on Homeland Security in the United States, the the Senate's Permanent Subcommittee for Investigations, um, are really, really, really upset about this. Uh, so the the Senate's Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations and the Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs has released this report uh, calling for stringent controls to be placed on learning centers run by the Confucius Institute. It operates at over 100 U.S. universities. It receives funding from the Chinese Communist Ministry of Education. The Senate, on a bipartisan basis, says if the Confucius Institutes cannot be overhauled, they need to be closed. Now, what's the heart of this? They, they provide Chinese language and cultural teaching resources and services worldwide— They contribute to the development of multiculturalism, building a harmonious world. That's what they say, the Confucius Institute. However, uh, here's what the Senate investigation shows. The Chinese government approves all teachers, events, and speakers. Some U.S. schools contractually agree that both Chinese and U.S. laws will apply. As one U.S. uh, school administrator explained to the subcommittee, when something is funded by the Chinese government, you know what you're going to get. The 93-page review claims the centers are used as propaganda tools aimed at attempting to change the impression in the United States and around the world that China is an economic and security threat. Uh, The Confucius Institutes operate with little to no transparency and suggest that without full transparency regarding how the Confucius Institutes operate and full reciprocity for U.S. cultural outreach efforts on college campuses in China, Confucius Institutes should not continue in the United States. Now, the committee also accuses schools of covering up their Chinese government funding. Nearly 70% of U.S. schools with a Confucius Institute that received more than $250,000 in one year fail to properly report that information to the Department of Education. Very interesting. Three American universities have closed their Confucius Institute centers in 2019. Students at some other schools are pressuring administrators to cut ties. And again, we've got them here. We got them at Kennesaw State. We've got them at uh, Georgia State. Emory has one. Augusta University has one. Uh, Savannah State University has one. Um, it's it's turning into a big deal. So keep your eye on this story. It is developing. Now, we got to get into state legislative news here in Georgia. Uh, we got a ton of state legislative uh, information, including the governor's office has dropped a trigger law in Georgia on abortion. We'll get into that. Casino gambling, health care reform, the airport authority, the Slumlord Protection Act. Uh, and uh, there's a rumor about a new pretty damaging story about the speaker coming out. 
I, I do not have it confirmed, but multiple people are telling me it's coming. So casino gambling legislation is dropped. This would actually be a constitutional amendment. It would not be legislation authorizing casino gambling. It would put it to the voters and let the voters decide if they want casino gambling in the state. Now, uh, I got to tell you, I like this approach. I'm not a fan of casino gambling. I've got nothing morally wrong with gambling per se. Uh, I just think gambling, uh, time and time again, has shown states that do it tend to have given up economically. Uh, also, I think it's, there's plenty of data out there from the federal government and independent studies showing that uh, casinos tend to bring in a host of social ills. Uh, bankruptcies go up, prostitution goes up, human trafficking goes up, drug use goes up, all these sorts of things. Uh, and I don't want to see that happen in the state of Georgia. Nonetheless, I, I think you got to put it to the voters. Uh, you can only protect the voters from themselves for so long. There will be money flooding into the state from MGM and others to to legalize casinos in the state. We'll see what happens. But but I think you know this comes up every year in the legislature. Might as well go on if the voters agree, use that and let the Republicans structure the law, as opposed to waiting for ten years and maybe having a Governor Abrams or somebody in Democratic constituents out there who shape a bad law. I do agree with Governor Kemp that one hundred percent of the revenue should go to funding hope. But as so many so many states have seen, they do these things. They allow casinos to come in. They say all the money is going to go to education, and it turns out the casinos essentially are in charge of their own accounting, so they ensure that there's never really a profit to fund these sorts of scholarships. So I don't think we're going to see that, but that's, that's that. Let me talk very quickly before we move on to other things about the trigger law. The Kemp administration has dropped legislation that would ban most abortions in the state of Georgia if Roe v. Wade is in whole or in part repealed. I don't think it's a good idea. And I'm not talking out of turn here. I, I, I did tell the governor's office that that's my view. I don't think it's a good idea. I think the this does more harm than good uh, politically. Let me just explain it to you. My, my position real quick. I'm not opposed I, I I love the idea of prohibiting most abortions, if not all abortions. I am very pro-life. Don't vote for a pro-abortion candidate. But here's my problem with trigger law. It doesn't actually do anything. It doesn't. It's a law that says if X happens, then Y. And X probably isn't going to happen. I mean, John, there are multiple stories out today from Bloomberg, CNN, and others about John Roberts's drift to the left. He's trying to fill the void left by Anthony Kennedy. He's not going to overturn Roe v. Wade. So what happens with a trigger law is that it doesn't actually change abortion laws in your state, but it gives progressive groups something to fundraise about. Look, look, look. If we can't stop the Republicans in Georgia, then abortion is going to be banned. So give us money. Look, 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 we got to defeat the Republicans and take over the state legislature or abortion's going to be banned. Look, 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 we got to defeat David Perdue because otherwise he could put another conservative on the Supreme Court and, a, and ban abortion in Georgia. Look, 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 we got to fundraise. We got to fundraise. See, the trigger laws do nothing but scare progressives and do nothing to actually advance the pro-life agenda, in my view. Now, I understand the governor is committed to this, and the governor's office thinks that this is a good sign to his base and to the legislature. He really is committed on this cause, and God bless him for it. 
I'm glad to see a pro-life governor advancing pro-life legislation. I just think these laws tend to do more harm than good. They fire up progressives. They don't do anything for conservatives, and they don't save a single life. So why bother? Uh, that is my view, though. Now, the phone number here is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. The other piece of legislation I want to put on your radar, and, and the reason I'm running through some of this legislation is I've been gone all week. I've spent a lot of time on Cohen this week. By the way, Cohen, is anybody talking about him anymore? Other than Sean Hannity, I, I, I don't know anybody who's still focused on Cohen. I mean, talk about moving the news cycle quickly. The, the Cohen story, you can tell it had no real impact on the president because nobody's talking about it today. In fact, the more the Democrats have dwelled on it, the more they've been pointing out, everybody's been pointing out that Cohen really undermines the Russia collusion story because he has no knowledge of it. He apparently has knowledge of everything that happened in Trump world, but he doesn't have knowledge of that. Kind of undermines the whole Russia collusion story. We'll get we'll get to that in a little bit, but I, I've been so focused on stuff like that. We haven't delved into local legislation a lot, and, and I've had a list of bills you needed to know about, and another one is the Slumlord Protection Act. It is by Bruce Williamson, by all accounts, a very nice guy. Uh, it is House Bill 302. Williams, I don't know if Williamson owns real estate. I, I, I'm guessing that he does if he's pushing the legislation or someone is getting him to push this legislation for, for people who own slums or blighted properties. Essentially, what happens is in local communities, you have blighted properties. People move away. People die. No one knows who owns the house. It, it, it goes to waste. The paint falls off. The grass grows. The roof caves in. Nobody knows who owns the property. Local governments step in. They have building codes. They say, you, you got to bring your building up to snuff. You got you to gotta at least mow the grass. You, you got to paint the building. You can't let it run down. And what HB 302 would do would be to get rid of those local building codes, codes for blighted housing. It would essentially allow the state to take this over, and that, that's not good. You don't want the state to take over building codes at the local level. This, is, this really is a, a state control and federalism issue. You want the government that's located closest to you to handle these sorts of things. Now, listen, you may not like uh, Peachtree City. You may not like going through and, and having everything so planned and everything so pristine and, and all the signs are low to the ground. It's like going to Hilton Head. You, you don't have really big signs. Everything is tucked back under the trees. Everything looks the same all over the island. Uh, it's hard to find where you're going because the azaleas grow up in front of the McDonald's sign. I, I get that. But that should be a local issue. There should be nothing more local than, than local building codes and ordinances. And HB 302 would undermine all of that, preempt it, put the state in charge of it, and I think it would ultimately be used by slumlords to prevent local governments from being able to clean up property that's degrading the property values of other people. If this legislation passes, your property values could decline because the people next to you don't take care of their property, and there would be nothing you could do about it. So I hope that this legislation goes nowhere. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, when Jonathan Last from then the Weekly Standard, now he's over at the Bulwark, good friend of mine, uh, recommended Calm for my kids. I thought he was nuts. It just sounds like a bunch of hooey. Um, but my kids were listening to sound machines at night and thought, you know what? Let's try this. Uh, so I got a Calm app, and now I'm a premium member for Calm. Uh, it is 
in my house every night with my kids. In fact, we have one of those internet things that blocks out the internet after 10 p.m. on their devices and I had to figure out how to open a gateway just for Calm because the kids love it so much. So what is Calm? Well, it's the number one app to help you reduce anxiety and stress and to help you sleep better. And that's why my kids use it. Over 40 million people around the world have downloaded Calm. I am one of them. My kids both use Calm. If you head to calm.com slash Eric, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription. It includes guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus. It includes brand new meditations every day. There are sleep stories. There are bedtime stories for adults designed to help you relax. You can head off to the magical lavender fields of southern France with Stephen Fry or explore the moodlit jungles of Africa with Leona Lewis. They even have soothing music and more. One of my kids likes to listen to the stories. The other one likes to listen to music. Right now, listeners to my show get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. You get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash Erickson. I'm sorry, calm.com slash Eric. Don't use Erickson, just use Eric. Get calm and stop stressing at calm.com slash Eric today. All right, all right, all right. I, I, I got to correct myself here real quick. If Bruce Williamson is not the sponsor of 302. I had written in my notes that he is. Uh, he is not. My apologies to Bruce Williamson. Bruce Williamson not sponsoring uh, 302. It is Vance Smith. Vance Smith, Alan Powell, John Burns, Tom McCall, Spencer Fry, and Winfred Dukes. This is the Slumlord Protection Act. Uh, it is Vance Smith who is the lead sponsor of this legislation, HB 302. My apologies to Bruce Williamson. I don't know why I wrote his name down, um, but I got it on my sticky note that, that he, I, I have no idea. In any event, Van Smith is the culprit. So now don't, don't call Bruce Williamson angry. I've corrected the record. When we come back, the healthcare legislation in the state legislature, the latest on it and certificates of need. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We're going to be a little lenient on phones today. It doesn't necessarily have to be topical because I've been gone all week and it's a Friday. We might as well. I also am going to shift gears momentarily because uh, it, it, it it's a pet peeve for me and I need to name and shame. I... During the newscast, there was a story about police officers being upset by GPS apps that tell people where police are. And their hypothetical scare scenario is someone might want to target and kill the police and they'll get on the GPS app and see that they're at this mile marker and go kill them. I'm unaware of that happening. If that has happened please let me know. But otherwise, this is really about the police being upset that uh, people are crowdsourcing their locations for speed traps. <sighs> My goodness gracious. Y'all, I don't have a problem with these apps. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, um, there are apps. Waze is one of the apps. 
Uh, Waze is the Google crowdsource navigation app that a lot of people use, and it drives local communities crazy because if there's a wreck on the interstate, Waze navigates you around oftentimes through residential areas. In fact, um, th there's an area over the, in Druid Hills and um, over by the Fern Bank headed in the back way to Emory, and the neighborhood has all sorts of nasty signs up upset about people coming through their neighborhood, bringing traffic in the morning to get around Ponce, uh, trying to get to work. And the reason people are cutting through the neighborhood is Waze tells them you can go through there because there's no traffic. And one of the things that Waze does, if there's a wreck ahead, people can flag it very easily, even as they're driving, just touch the screen to, to mark where they are, that there's a wreck or a slowdown, so everyone behind them knows, hey, there's a slowdown here. And if enough people push the button to say that there's a slowdown here, Waze will redirect people and redirect traffic away from that area to relieve congestion. It's very, very useful for people who are commuting. Now, I don't use it. Uh, because the, the interface bugs me and it looks very childish. I just use Apple Maps, uh, which I think actually does a very good job these days of redirecting you around slowdowns and whatnot. But one of the things that Waze does is it, in addition to letting you flag slowdowns and wrecks, it allows you to say where the speed traps are. And that's why the police hate it. They don't like it that you can say there's a speed trap up ahead, slow down. That's why the police don't actually like it. But they can't tell you that, can they? They can't actually go out and say, this is a terrible app because uh, it's going to tell you where the speed traps are and we're not going to be able to, to write a ticket. They, they can't say that. So what they have to say is, oh, we don't like this app because there are people who hate police and they may use this app to find us and kill us. Y'all, <laughs> yes, Charlie is telling me he, he's got off-duty police uh, friends who are, when they're off-duty, they're police officers. They use ways to find out where the speed traps are as opposed to a radar detector. Yes. <laughs> so this spin, I, I, I'm, I'm deeply offended by the spin because we should all be concerned about people wanting to harm the police. We should. It's a very serious issue. But I'm unaware of anyone using ways to find where the speed trap is. And by the way, they're, they're in the median of the interstate. And so you're going to tell me that someone's going to find where the police speed trap is. They're going to pull over on the side of the road and the police who are looking for speeders aren't going to see it happening. This is just this. That makes me mad because you're you're using a very serious topic to undermine a legit app because you don't like it because it tells people where the speed traps are. That's just, that's so disingenuous. And I, I, I just, I, I heard that. It's like, this is, this is crazy. This is offensive. Uh, people trying to kill police is a very serious issue. And to try to use that issue to undermine an app because you don't like them telling where speed traps are. That's just crazy talk. And they need to be called out on that. So now I've done it. All right. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Uh, the airport authority legislation is coming. Uh, Bruce Jones in the Senate has, uh, or Burt Jones in the Senate. Sorry, I'm dealing with too many Bruce's today. Uh, Burt Jones in the Senate has authored legislation to create an airport authority that would take over Two Dead Mares Airport in Atlanta put it in a statewide authority, and possibly put other airports in there as well. I think it is a good thing. I support this legislation. The reason I support this legislation 
has nothing to do with Keisha Lance Bottoms, the mayor of the city of Atlanta, who, by the way, single-handedly controls all of the appointments at oversight of the airport. My problem is philosophical. The Atlanta airport is the single largest economic engine in the state of Georgia. The entirety of Georgia, not just Georgia, but the Southeast, depends on the Atlanta airport. And we are now in a series of scandals involving contractors and others at the airport, all because one person, the mayor of Atlanta, oversees the airport. And frankly, at a philosophical level, I do not think the mayor of Atlanta should be in charge of the economic engine of the southeast of the United States of America. I think that makes the mayor of Atlanta ultimately more powerful than pretty much anybody. And uh, nine of 10 of you listening to this program right now can't vote for the mayor because you don't live inside the city of Atlanta proper. That's a problem. More like seven of 10 of you. So three of you listening can, seven of you can't. This is a real problem. It's a problem because... The state's economy should not be dependent on having a level-headed, fair, competent mayor of Atlanta. Thankfully, we do. But let's go back to the Kasim Reed administration that was blocking FOIA requests, that was stacking the boards, that had people doing improper things with contracts. There's an FBI investigation. That's not 10 years ago. That's last year or year before last and the year before that. that that's, that's recent memory. And I think the the legislation Burke Jones is offering up is good legislation. There is one change I would make that uh, Senator Gooch proposed, and I hope they amended and do this, is I think that they should preclude people from sitting on this board uh, from not only themselves, but their immediate family members having business. So, for example, uh, one of the issues is, is Burt Jones, I believe his company or his family has a petroleum company that, that family should be prohibited from doing business with the Atlanta airport. We should get rid of all of this, the levels of impropriety here so that we don't wind up with a state board tempted to corruption like the mayor and the city of Atlanta could be tempted to corruption. We need to have it not just be the person on the board who's free of it, but there are family members as well. I think that's a reasonable compromise to deal with the corruption issue when corruption is one of the big reasons that it should be taken away from the city of Atlanta. But y'all, I, I just genuinely at a philosophical level do not believe that the city of Atlanta should be in charge of the economic engine of not only the state, but the Southeast. Now, I think we need to have serious, serious conversation about this legislation. And it looks like the Senate is doing it. And that's a good thing. And I commend Bert Jones for pushing this legislation. I don't know what the governor's office is going to do about it. And I don't want it to be seen as an insult against Keisha Lance Bottoms because she's a, a very competent mayor. And I'm glad she's not making it about herself. That's good as well. But I, I still think that this is the right thing for our state to do to take over control of the airport um, because it's so big. Now, the last piece of legislation you need to know about, real quick, RIFRA. It is coming out of the Senate. I'm not optimistic uh, that it'll get through the House of Representatives. David Ralston always kills it. Uh, I do think it is legislation that does need to pass. For those of you who don't know, it's so many people uh, mischaracterize what the Religious Freedom Restoration Act does. All it does is it fixes a weird Antonin Scalia-backed Supreme Court precedent. Uh, under Supreme Court precedent, all parts of the First Amendment uh, require strict scrutiny of legislation. That is, that the government must show there is absolutely no other way 
to do what the government wants to do without violating uh, your constitutional right uh, to speech or to assembly or you name it. The only exception to that is the exercise of your religion clause. Antonin Scalia, in a case involving Indian smoking uh, peyote, decided that the free exercise clause of the First Amendment should not have the strict scrutiny standard that every other part of the First Amendment has. So the U.S. Congress passed a law, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and said, no, as a matter of fact, courts need to give that portion of the First Amendment the same level of scrutiny that all the other portions of the amendment have. The legislation has nothing to do with the private contract rights of individuals. All, all the scare scenarios of, oh, this would this would prohibit the, or this would protect the baker from baking the cake. I think we need that law. I think we need to protect the baker who doesn't want to bake the cake because they're Christian and don't want to bake it for a gay wedding. But that's not what RIFRA does. Uh, RIFRA applies only to the government. RIFRA applies to the government forcing people to give up their sincerely held religious beliefs uh, when there are other ways to accomplish the same thing that don't involve religion. And I hope that this can make it through. I'm not optimistic. Uh, the thing the governor said is that he wants the exact match language from the federal government. That's what they're giving him. There's a slight tweak just to bring current law up to date, but otherwise I think that's it. If it passes, I think the governor will sign it. I hope it passes. Now, do I have time for a phone call? I do have time for a phone call, so I'm going to John in Dahlonega. You're going to be up first. Welcome, John. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Um, good, good show tonight. Um, all three aspects that you're hitting, or at least the ones I'm hearing, all tie into the same thing, and that's bad accountability in government. Government that covers governs least governs best. But there's an overlap when your local, when your state government tries to do what your local government's supposed to do, it doesn't work very well. There's less accountability when the federal does what the state's supposed to do. Yeah. The slumlord thing is a perfect case, and it ties in with the predatory speed traps from, from you know, the GPS story, and the same with the airport. So whatever you want to shoot at, there you go. Well, look, John, I, I appreciate it, and that is a good point, that uh, you don't want the state of Georgia overseeing your housing regulations in your neighborhood. You don't want the state setting the building code. Listen, one of the things they did that I thought was terrible last year was that they passed legislation that allowed, uh, that, that prohibited cities from being able to ban, I think, three-story wood structures. Uh, I've got one being built near my house. It's going to be a condo, and they're using wood frame, three stories, uh, for condos. Do you really want to live in a building that's 100% wood frame? No, no steel frame, nothing. No, no, it's all wood. And think about your competence or incompetence of your neighbors. The whole thing scares me. They should allow cities and towns to decide these things, not the state legislature. I'm sure the slumlords are involved. I thought I could go home now. Show was over. <laughs> it's the second hour. Nope, you're not going to get away from me that fast. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, yes, there is rain north of the city. 
if you're headed up 400 north of Sandy Springs, you're going to get rain all the way up towards coming. Uh, you're going to get it on Peachtree Industrial, uh, and you're going to get it in North Cross area, Berkeley Lake, Duluth, Johns Creek. You're going to get it, and then on 75 between uh, the Brave Stadium and 575, you're going to get it. The Marietta area, Kennesaw, got some rain, rain out in the Dallas area, and it's heavy rain. It's not just sprinkles. Uh, it's pretty heavy rain. South of the city, south I-20, you're largely clear. Very, very heavy stuff, though, um, out past Winder. Uh, just keep in mind, it, it's it's not quite to Athens yet, but there is a hail out there. It's that storm that went through earlier in the Swanee area. It's, it's still very, very strong out there. And the further to the east you go in Georgia, up 85, the more you get it. Uh, when you get to the, for example, South Carolina line, there's a severe thunderstorm warning over Lake Hartwell. So if you're headed up to the lake country this weekend uh, in the mountain area, Lake Rayburn and whatnot, you're going to get some heavy, heavy storms up there, Hartwell, Lake Rayburn, and uh, up there towards the North Carolina line. Okay. We need to move on. I'm going to be generous with phone calls this hour. I the phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. I want to respond to I I've, I'm trying to do a better job of not looking at my email and Twitter while I'm talking because it, it distracts me. Some of you send me gifts and or you text message me and you distract me while I'm talking. And I see a lot of people very upset with me for saying I, I didn't think the trigger law would do any good. And I, I want to explain to you why I think that. Now, for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, I mentioned in the first hour, uh, Governor Kemp has come out in support of a trigger law. It has nothing to do with guns. A trigger law is a law designed by pro-life activists that says the moment the Supreme Court repeals Roe v. Wade in whole or in part, that abortion will be banned in the state if the trigger law passes. Here's why I, I don't like trigger laws. Uh, I don't like them because not one life is going to be saved by a trigger law today or tomorrow. The day will probably never actually come when Roe v. Wade is overturned. I mean, look at John Roberts. Uh, John Roberts now drifting to the left to fill the void left by Anthony Kennedy. Uh, so, but what happens is, and this, by the way, I I, I want to make sure everyone understands this is this is not me sliding the governor here, who I know also has other legislation he wants to pass, including uh, fetal heartbeat legislation, which I do very much support. Uh, but it allows legislators in Georgia to spend all of their political capital passing a trigger law that does nothing and gives them an excuse to avoid supporting the fetal heartbeat bill or regulations on abortion clinics or um, other regulatory forms that would actually have a meaningful impact on the life cause today. So they can say, well, I support the trigger law. I, I voted for this law. Well, yes, you're doing that, but you're killing or hurting or undermining or avoiding all the other legislation that would actually have real-world benefits today. This isn't about the governor, it's about the legislators who will support the trigger law and then oppose the heartbeat law and everything else. But I'm voting to ban abortion. The other thing that it does is while it gives no meaningful benefit today, it changes no law today and it saves no lives today, it gives progressives a fundraising opportunity they would otherwise be denied uh, by saying, oh, look, 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 now we've got to make sure we take the legislature back to undo this. Now we've got to make sure to stop David Perdue so we can't get another, we can't get another person conservative on the Supreme Court. 
Uh, so it gives the left a fundraising opportunity. It doesn't save a single life, and it allows legislators to spend their political capital on a law that does nothing and avoid having to deal with laws that actually do something. That's that's why I oppose uh, trigger laws. And I'm glad that our governor is not one of the people who is supporting trigger law as a way to abdicate to anything else. He actually supports the heartbeat law. Uh, and other, there is legislation that is, is has been dropped or is about to be, I think it just got dropped, uh, that when a life has a sustained heartbeat on its own in the womb, when the child has a heartbeat of its own and is not relying on its mother for heartbeat or just a cardiac tissue movement, then the child should be protected. And I totally support that legislation. And I'm glad the governor does, too. I'm afraid there will be members of the legislature who abdicate their responsibility on that and say, oh, well, I'm supporting the trigger law. I don't need to worry about that. We're doing the trigger. We're going to ban abortion altogether, except they're not. Hope that makes sense. Now I'm going to turn over to the phones and we'll go first to Josh from Noonan. Josh, welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. I was wondering if you had heard about the uh, Focus on the Family Declaration for Life. And if it's something you'd be willing to uh, encourage your listeners to go and sign. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, it's basically a, uh, a declaration that Focus on the Family has put together uh, for a ch- just giving a chance for uh, Christians and concerned citizens to uh, sign saying that they support the unborn and the cause of the unborn. Well, if that's it, then yeah, everybody should go sign. And if it's Focus on the Family, it's got to be legit. So yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Absolutely. I, I, listen, I will not support a pro-abortion politician and the people who say, well, I'm personally pro-life, but don't want to impose it. Uh, what you're, you're saying is, uh, well, I'm personally against slavery, but I'm not going to take your property from you. I mean, all of the arguments for abortion in the 21st century, are just repackaged arguments from before the civil war involving slavery, every single one of them, uh, it's my body, it's my property. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to own slaves. You you don't have to have an abortion. Uh, they're, they're not real people. Uh, all of these are are repackaged arguments from slavery. Um, evil's just found another way to creep in. Now let's go back to the phones. Kenton from Atlanta, you're next. Hey, Eric. So I wanted to address the Atlanta airport issue. Um, I just wanted to point out the fallacy in your logic, I guess, that you were using. Um, in terms of it being the airport being an economic engine for okay, the South. Wait, East. first, I'm, I'm stopping you there because this sounds like now my kids are one of those classical education schools and they're learning about fallacy. So I, I got to just say that this I'm suddenly having like post-traumatic stress disorder from arguing with my 13 year old now. <laughs> Dad, oh. that's a fallacy. <laughs> oh, no, it's all good. I was just going to point out the fact that um, you said that it was the economic engine of the Southeast and 80 percent of the people in the on the call or in Georgia can't vote for the mayor of Atlanta. 80% of the people in the Southeast can't vote for the governor of Georgia, so the governor has no more right to control the airport than the mayor of Atlanta, if that's the case. Secondly, um, in terms of the, addressing the corruption issue, I feel as if even if you don't allow the immediate family members of the board members to kind of get contracted at the airport, I think that their business associates will. 
other people who are not immediately related to them will get will basically get contracts. So they're going to be corruptible by other parties. So you're just replacing one level of corruption, the city level, with a state level of corruption. I, you know, I, I think, think that's a fair argument. Uh, and just to clarify what I was saying with the other one is is people listening to, to the show today. Uh, but, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Um, most people can't vote for the – it affects the whole southeast, and the whole southeast doesn't get a vote. But it is the economic engine of Georgia. And being the economic engine of Georgia, I think Georgia should have more oversight. You're totally right, though. This is a very fair point on corruption. Uh, Corruption always will find a way. The reason, though, that I think we have a better track record with the state than we do local government is because we do have the Ports Authority, and we haven't seen this sort of corruption on the Ports Authority, which is very well run. The other issue is that uh, there would be some level of accountability as well to the state legislature and oversight by the state legislature under the legislation. Right now, this, the, the City Council of Atlanta isn't allowed an oversight role in the airport in the way that the uh, state legislature would be allowed an oversight role under the state legislation. So you're never going to get rid of corruption as long as you have sinners involved, but you can mitigate it in ways that can't be mitigated under the present circumstance. And again, I do think that the Atlanta airport serves Georgia, not just Atlanta. And it does get taxpayer benefit from Georgia taxpayers in the form of construction around the airport. Most of it comes from revenue bonds, but so much, uh, I mean, the, the interstate infrastructure around it and all that, Coming from state taxpayers, not just Atlanta taxpayers, I think the state should have a role in running the airport. Uh, we do. We don't have a hypothetical case of corruption with the city of Atlanta managing the airport. We have an actual FBI investigation and indictments. Uh, we don't have that with the Ports Authority running the ports. I think we should put the state in charge. I am delighted to welcome Harry's to sponsor this podcast. You know, Harry sponsors my radio show, too, and I've been a longtime customer of Harry's. I started with uh, one of their competitors and decided I liked Harry's better. I liked their weighted handle. I liked the quality and construction of their blade. I felt like I was getting a real shave. And frankly, as somebody who tries not to shave every day just because of razor burn, I liked that I could go a couple of days. Harry's gave me such a close shave and didn't have to worry about it. And you don't have to worry about it either. Harry's replacement cartridges are just two dollars each and they bought a, a factory in germany to turn out their razors they make such good razors they are cheaper than the name brands that you know like the gillette fusion pro shield in fact their razors blades are half the price so look right now harry's is giving you a great trial if you go to harrys.com slash eric Get a $13 value trial set when it comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. You get a weighted ergonomic handle, a five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade. You get rich, lathering shave gel. You get travel blade cover. Listeners on my show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash eric. But make sure you go to harrys.com slash eric to redeem your offer. And you know what? Let them know I sent you. Help support the show and get yourself a great shave. The phone number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Back to the phones we go to Stan, calling from Canton. Welcome. Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I just wanted a a concerning question because I'm a liberty conservative, kind of like yourself. What is the Republican Party's plan to win the culture war and also – future generations vote as they next decade rolls around because as you may know majority of people my age two-thirds of them are socialists and that (laughs) just 
scares the ever-living daylights out of me. You know, Thank so, you. Yeah, sure, Stan. Thanks very much for the phone call. I, I don't think the Republicans have a plan, honestly. I, I think it's uh, stack the courts. That's it, and that's not really a plan. As we're seeing with John Roberts' uh, subtle shifts to the left, to fill Anthony Kennedy's void. And I got a theory as to why Roberts is doing it. I want to wait and see a couple more cases come out before I really articulate it. But I think what the Republicans should be doing is pointing out that the reason so many uh, 20 and early 30-somethings don't like capitalism is because the Obama administration never allowed it to work. And as a result, they've never had the benefits of capitalism, and we need to. Uh, and socialism would be uh, beyond what Obama did. I also think that conservatives need to not think that they can win on the cultural front per se, but should be able to set a tone of tolerance towards all views. All right, we got to do another check of the radar, folks. Uh, we do. There is heavy rain now along the uh, northern part of 285 at uh, SunTrust Field. I'm trying to remember it's SunTrust, although they're going to change the name on me. We might as well just settle on the Brave Stadium. Rain in Marietta, the Fair Oaks area, up 400 uh, towards Alpharetta from uh 285 and then up peachtree industrial uh, and you got heavy rain up 85 over the 985 85 split right now very very heavy rain uh, and out towards commerce there is a lot of rain the heaviest stuff though now has moved into the athens area um, but here in the atlanta area we are mostly okay except you should know if you live out near my in-laws in Carrollton, uh, there's a heavy, heavy, heavy um, rain patch. Uh, thunderstorm. Oh, yep, there's some lightning in it. Uh, headed out towards Whitesburg, south of Carrollton. And let's see. Yeah, Noonan, Palmetto, Fairburn, you're going to be getting more rain here in a little while. Now, done my bit for the radar here. We need to go back to the phones, don't we? Uh, we need to go to Richard in Athens. Welcome. Hey, Eric, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, listen, I wanted to get your take on, uh, I read somewhere today online that Elizabeth Warren and some other Democrats are advocating reparation, uh, paying the blacks and uh, for slavery and Indians. What do you think about all this? I think it's a dumb thing. Um, it's designed more for identity politics and to further divide Americans and say unite Americans. I, I think the whole idea of reparations is appalling in all sorts of ways and it also frankly it allows a bunch of white liberals to abdicate their responsibility say oh we're just going to give you money uh no pay no attention to the collapse of families within the black community the the uh jailing of so many young black men over things that uh they don't necessarily need to go to jail for we're just we're going to pay you all money uh and progressives love it it makes them sound compassionate but uh, so who exactly do we do my my family immigrated to this country from Sweden uh, after the Civil War. Do my tax dollars need to go to it? Uh, what about a a family, a black American family that their family didn't come here until, I don't know, the 1960s, the 1970s, uh, but they're now fully immersed into American culture? Do they get the money? The whole thing, it, it's ridiculous. There's no way to administer it. Uh, we don't have the money for it, but it allows people to nurse a grievance. So it's a terrible idea. We should not do it. And it's not going to be done. Even if Elizabeth Gorin got elected, 
it wouldn't happen. Even if they had a majority Democratic Congress, it would not happen. Uh, they'd come up with some other wasteful measure, but they wouldn't do that. Now, all right, let's see. Charles and Grayson, you're next. Hey, how you doing, Eric? Good, how are you? All right, I'm calling to ask you, um, what did you take on the fishing and game? Um, we go deep sea fishing a lot, and it has changed a lot regulation-wise that make a person don't want to go fish because, you know, they've shortened the, what we could catch. And the season's been just crazy. So is, are there going to be any kind of changes when it comes to... You know, as a matter of fact, Charles, I am I was not reading this because you were calling about this. I was reading this earlier today because a friend of mine cares passionately about this issue. Is a huge deep-sea fisherman, goes down to Florida all the time, goes deep-sea fishing with his dad, uh, and has voiced the same complaint and had on Facebook earlier a link to a Trump administration regulation that they're going to roll back some of the Obama-era regulations on this to make it less burdensome for individuals. Uh, apparently, one of the reasons, I, I did not know this, um, but there are fishing declines in the southeast, in the Atlantic, and in the Gulf of Mexico around the Florida Peninsula. And so the Obama administration put in a bunch of regulations that don't necessarily fix the situation, but seemed like the right thing to do to them at the time because environmentalists wanted them. And essentially what it did is it made it harder for individual fishermen to go fishing and didn't necessarily stop the uh, commercial-based fisheries that were... Uh, the gist of the regulations. So it looks like the Trump administration is going to tweak them to make it easier uh, to extend both the season to fish and the size of the fish you can catch. Uh, but then re it, they will continue some restrictions on the number of times uh, that you can catch these fish. And again, this is outside my wheelhouse, but it's just it's funny that you called with this because uh, a friend of mine has been ranting and raving about the very same topic on Facebook uh, and is happy with the way the Trump administration is redirecting some of these regulations. I, I get the issue of overfishing, and frankly, there there is an article today out from, I want to say it was in the Wall Street Journal. I read it. it might have been the New York Times. It, of course, they're tying it to climate change, but that uh, fisheries are seeing declines in population in the southern Atlantic, uh, I, I shouldn't say the southern Atlantic, just south United States, the Atlantic area, and in the Gulf of Mexico, and they're assuming it is climate-related that fishing populations are on decline. Um, we'll see what they actually do with this, but the Trump administration does appear to be aware of the problem and is curtailing some of those old Obama regulations. Taylor from Sandy Springs, you're next. Hey, Eric. I love your show. Uh, I appreciate everything you do on the local level, but I wanted to get your thoughts on something on a national scale. So the, the Trump or Trump is getting all of this flack right now or has been about not throwing the Wambier, uh, the death of Mr. Wambier in Kim Jong-un's face. And it's so obvious that that would be the most counterproductive thing to do when you're trying to make the negotiation that he was trying to make. And even a lot of the Republicans are giving him a hard time. Well, now, I, I'll tell you, so I'm critical of him too, Taylor. And the reason I am is because uh, Kim Jong-un had gone home at the time of the press conference. Um, it, it was not... Uh, I would understand a little better, and, and I do kind of understand the president doesn't. He just had the summit. He doesn't want to be in your face with Kim Jong-un uh, about this. At the same time, I don't think that the president should have said he believes Kim Jong-un, because that's what he said, that, that Kim Jong-un denied it to him and he believes him. That's pretty much what he also said about the Russian, Vladimir Putin, that Putin denied it and he believes him uh, on interfering with the American election. And, and we know that's not true. The president had to walk that back to as well. And he walked back the North Korean situation this afternoon. The president is now saying that, yes, in fact, he is aware the, the North Koreans are behind this, the North Korean regime, and is is upset about it and didn't mean to 
to be heard as dismissing their involvement. I, there is a natural tendency of a lot of people to pile on the president and everything he says. And when I wrote about it this morning at theresurgent.com, I said, I get that the president's coming off the summit. He doesn't want to immediately rush to the microphones after it didn't go his way and start slamming Kim Jong-un. I get that. At the same time, he should have been prepared for the question and he should have been able to make it clear he did accept that Kim Jong-un was responsible for it because he was responsible for it. Uh, and the way he did it, I think, was bad for him. Thankfully, this afternoon he corrected it. But I think people were right to be upset about it. I, I, I do think that the president should not be excusing a monster for killing an American citizen. And that's what he did. He said Kim Jong-un told him he did not do it and he believed Kim Jong-un. And Kim Jong-un is a monster and a liar. And um, we she should not be believed. I want to go back to the phones. Last call of the night, Jason from Atlanta. Welcome. Thank you for taking my call, Eric. I just, uh, the couple of calls ago, the gentleman was talking about reparations. I, I'll be real quick. But this is a true life scenario. This is my life. I am from Minnesota. Um, I had family that were in the Civil War. Obviously, they fought for the North to free the slaves. I moved to Georgia. I married an African-American woman who is a native of Georgia whose family goes back to being slaves. So the logistics of it, are they going to take your tax money <laughs> who immigrated from, I think you said Sweden. Sweden. Yep. And yep. Yeah. Hey, Jason, I, wife, I, I, I then, get your point there. I, I'm afraid I got to let you go because we're out of time, but yeah, I mean, this is the problem. The logistics of it would make it impossible. You guys have a great weekend.